Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries, and Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Our guest today is Hilary Berry, author of the book We Survived Infidelity, An Unexpected Life Lesson, and founder of the support group Infidelity Care for Women. She's also a speaker who loves to share her story and help others heal from sexual betrayal. In today's episode, Hillary tells her story of discovering her husband's secret affairs and the healing journey that followed. She shares the ups and downs, the fears and doubts, and ultimately the way that led to deep personal healing and even the restoration of her marriage. To learn more about Hillary and her resources, visit hillaryberry.com. For more resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And would you please go and rate and review the podcast after listening because this helps others to be able to find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation. Well, all right. Hillary Berry, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Yeah, it's good to have you on here. I'm glad that we made the connection. You have um, authored a book that is called We Survived Infidelity. And so I wanted to have you on the program because I think uh, you have a story that is worth sharing to our audience because um, we we love to share stories in our ministry because we feel like it's the it's the strongest bridge that we can build uh, that provides an opportunity for people to maybe come out of where they are in their own brokenness with a sense of hope and maybe wanting to take that next step towards healing. So um, why don't you share with us your story and how you got to this point of writing a book that's entitled We Survived Infidelity. Okay. Um, actually, my, my goal in life these days is to share our story with people in the hopes that we can give other people hope for their marriages and for their, their healing. I wrote the book using my journals. So it is a very vivid picture of the pain I went through and the emotional roller coaster. But even more than that, it is my husband's story as well. And the shame he felt when I first found out and the challenges he faced in in moving towards his own healing. And so then together, we both found out that we had to both lean into God, trust God, so that we could then eventually learn to trust each other. So my story starts like many others do um, with me living on top of the world. I was living the dream life. I just thought I had the best marriage ever. My husband um, and I are best friends. Our communication was awesome. We led the marriage encounter group in our area. We were ballroom dancers. We had blended our families 12 years earlier and it had worked and they were all just moving out of the house. So now is our time to really um, have a wonderful time. And then I picked up his phone. It was Christmas 2013 and I discovered that there was something very inappropriate going on between Joe and a friend of ours. So that's what uh, set me on the emotional roller coaster that I mentioned. And my life went from being the dream life to being a nightmare. Uh, that, that first um, week 
I think it turned out to be a good thing. I didn't know it at the time, but we were visiting my daughters and Joe was going to go home to work for a week and I was going to stay and visit. So we ended up with a week of separation right off the bat. And I think that was probably really, I know it was a good thing for me because I needed the space. And it was a good thing for Joe too, because walking into our bedroom when he first got home and seeing how empty it was really helped shake shake him up and helped him to realize what mm -hmm. what we might be heading for. So mm. um, our- So let me ask you this. Uh, can, yeah. can I ask you a question? Uh, because I think, um, there's so many different ways that uh, both a husband and a wife react or respond to that moment of discovery. Um, can you share with us? I mean, you said, obviously you were devastated. It was like your world was shattered. Can you share with us both? Like what was, what was going on in your mind? What was going on in your heart? But then also um, you, you mentioned, this is also your husband's story. How did he respond when, he knew that you knew. Okay. Well, when I first picked up his phone, I was in such shock and just could not believe that this would be happening that I decided I was wrong and I didn't say anything. And so we got up the next morning and we had holiday things going on and I was a mess, um, but nobody knew it. And I just kind of zombied through the whole day. That night when I looked at his phone again, I found more contact with his affair partner and that's when I knew it was real. And so I woke him up and that first night, I, I was so shocked, I didn't know what to do and I, I, I wrote. I sat down with my computer and I just journaled that very first night. So the second night when I realized I was gonna confront him, I couldn't think of, I couldn't find any words. So I woke him up and I handed him my computer. And that's how he found out what I knew. And I sat there waiting because this is my best friend and he's gonna fix this. He's gonna show me how I'm wrong and turn it all around. And he didn't, mm. he didn't. There was nothing he could say and realizing there was nothing he could say. I jumped up, grabbed the keys and I ran out the door. And my plan was we were in New Jersey. We live in Ohio. My plan was to go home. I was, go I was leaving. I was just leaving. I was, you know, done. I'm going. And I drove around screaming and ended up going back because I didn't want our kids to know what he had done. So I went back and said, get in the car. And then we went and sat in a parking lot. And that's when he finally got to say something. And really all he could say was, I'm so sorry. And I, you know, of course I'm saying, why, why'd you do this? What do you, what did you do? And I, he, what we arrived at was that he had had an emotional affair with this woman. He just said, he kept saying, I just got too close. And um, Joe, you know, in hindsight says, it was like I'd hit him over the head with a two by four. It's like, as if he had suddenly woken up from this fantasy, nightmare, whatever he'd been living in, and then saw the reality that he may have just destroyed our marriage. And he'll say, the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. 
So, so what then the happened week, after that? Uh, after that? After that week that you all were separated, what what happened after that? Well, I came home, and and while I was away, he had decided that he needed to tell me that it had been a physical affair, not an emotional affair. He um, decided that it was going to be a slow death or else a fast death to our marriage. And he decided to just put it out there and see what happens. So he did admit to having a physical affair. Um, we also realized I needed to go and have STD testing. And so did he. Um, and <clears throat> we still both wanted to save our marriage. It was just this weird thing where sometimes I felt like I was so in love with him and I would do anything. What do you want me to do? What did your affair partner do? I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll, I want to fix it. And then other times, of course, I wanted him dead, you know? Um, so there's me on the roller coaster. And I, he was kind of just trying to fix everything. Um, it didn't take long for me to become a computer expert. And I was looking for things from this particular woman, but found out that she was not the only one that he had um, a variety of online relationships. Um, and it, it, it took um, about a year for me to find out all the truth of his brokenness. And each time he would say, um, no, that's it, that's it, that's it, there's nothing else. And I think at the time he really believed that. It, it was like he had to, he thought the physical affair was the only thing he had done wrong. And then you realize, oh, mm. online relationships aren't good. Either. Oh, like the justification had been piled one, one on top of the other very slowly. And so we had to kind of go in reverse for him to realize each one of the things he'd been doing was not okay. And I'm saying that very calmly right now. It, yeah, it was not calm. It was not pretty. It was... It was awful. It was awful. And it got to a point that every little thing he said felt like a betrayal to me. I did end up with PTSD, um, anxiety attacks, and we, we were not getting help at the time. We were trying to fix this ourselves. So I did not have other people to help me understand what was going on for me, for him. And um, some of it what did was that dangerous. look like on a day? What did that look like, kind of on a on a day by day basis? Because you said neither one of you are necessarily getting outside help. Uh, sounds to me like you're still living under the same roof. Mm -hmm. What was it like to to just navigate that? And at what point did one or both of you realize there's going to have to be some outside help as as part of this journey? Or did you ever? realize that <laughs> we found out we found out so we were white knuckling it um in that time frame joe lost his job because he had been so distracted by his affair partner and other online things he was doing and by the time he lost his job i didn't even care i was such um mm. such a mess i in the beginning i was i had talked to a friend i talked to a neighbor but then as i found out more i didn't say anything to anybody because i knew they'd say that i should leave him and I didn't feel, I didn't want to. I was, I, I had been a very um, strong, self-sufficient woman and I became um, pitiful. And so Joe became like my counselor. I did see a counselor, but she was not really a good one for me. 
Um, so I would write. I wrote all the time. That's where the journaling to be, became a book. But I wrote and wrote and wrote. And that's where I got a lot of things out because I didn't sleep. So I wrote all the time. I, I cried and screamed a lot. I yelled some. Um, and Joe stood in the storm of my pain. He, he stood there for it. And he would say things like, um, you know, I tried to blame myself because I didn't want this wonderful man to really be this horrible person. Um, so I tried to blame myself and Joe wouldn't let me. He'd say it was my fault. I wounded you. I hurt you. This That's why you're having such a hard time. I even at one point on the way home from work came to a um, train crossing with the flashing lights and all of that. And I pulled up to these, this red light and I looked both ways down the track and I saw a light and I thought, oh, well, I have time. And I went around the railroad crossing as the train swept by. I thought I was at a traffic light. I was, I was so confused. I was so confused. Um, mm. So we're clinging to each other. We don't have space from each other because I'm afraid to be alone. And I got more and more isolated. So, um, you know, I didn't, I couldn't watch TV. It was a trigger. I couldn't go to the stores because there were attractive women in the stores. Like every attractive woman um, anywhere became a trigger for me. So I became very isolated. And Joe, he did an awesome job working on his sobriety the best he could in isolation. But then um, 10 months in, I went to a, oh, we hadn't been, we weren't believers at the time. We, did, we, we didn't have a relationship with God. Somewhere in the midst of that, I went out with my siblings who were from out of state. We met. Um, my brother took us to church and I heard a story about this man called Abram and how God said, you know, pack up your things and go, and I'll let you know where you're going. And the pastor said, do you trust God with your journey or do you, do you try to do things on your own? And it got me thinking. And I went home and asked my assistant if she knew of any of those churches where you know, they have like a concert at the beginning. And then this man in street clothes walks around with a Bible. You know, I was, I didn't know that there are many churches like that, but she sent us to her church. And we, in the beginning, both Joe and I were very confused, very confused, but I started to hear some things and I ended up going to a women's retreat. And just when I was at the women's retreat, I met another woman didn't know why I had to go. I just felt like I had to go. And I met another woman on this journey. She told me about a men's group called 180 in Columbus. And I said, oh, no, we're, she asked if my husband was still lying. And I said, oh, he doesn't lie. No, it's infidelity. And I got home. And to prove it to myself that he wasn't lying, I went on his computer. And I found pornography. And... Mm. When he got, I didn't even know he looked at pornography. This is my naive, my naivety was over the top. Um, when he got home that night, we fought and it was different fighting than we had been doing. And finally I said, what else? What else do you need to tell me? And he had been in contact with his affair partner again. So that was really a turning point for us because, um, 
I, of course, was upset and, and angry and afraid. Fear was my biggest go-to. Um, but it was like God woke me in the middle of the night and said, he's afraid you will leave him. Let him know you will love him unconditionally, that you will never leave him. And I'm thinking, really? Yes, I would. Really? Right. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't leave him. So I had put pornog- I put the pornography site or left it on his computer. And I got up out of bed and instead put the 180 site for that men's group on his computer. And the next day, Joe went to his first men's support group meeting. And um, that's when things started to turn around for us. We needed a community. We needed a community mm. of neighbors. Um, we found out that they also had a women's group, which I started going to the next month. And I finally stopped feeling so crazy, stopped doing dangerous things, and started listening to these women who'd been through the same thing I had been through. And they were happy. Like that shocked mm. me that you could actually get better. So that was mm-hmm. a big, big turnaround for us, was actually to realize that the nightmare had followed us into today. Joe was still broken. Yeah. It wasn't something he could flip a switch. So what were some of those, especially as both of you started getting into uh, community to where you could actually start to engage others uh, along this journey, what were some of the at first, what were some of the initial breakthroughs that you had each of you individually? But then also, what were some of those initial breakthroughs that you had around your marriage? And and what did it look like kind of going forward from that point on? I think a big breakthrough I had for, for myself um, actually may have been to realize, I, I started hearing, you're going to be okay, baby girl. You're going to be okay. And it had to be God speaking to me, realizing that even in the middle of the night when it was awful and everything was, you know, when I would get all the um, mind movies about things he had done, God was there. God was there. He was with me. And I wanted to know him better. And I started going to Bible studies as well as the women's groups. Um, Being with women who... The women in this group that I was going to, every time someone spoke about their stuff, they were talking about how God had done this in their lives and God had done that in their lives. And I'm thinking, but but, but what about your husband? And it wasn't about their husbands. It was about them getting well. Um, we also went to, um, at the same church, it was a vineyard church in Columbus at one of the bigger churches. They had lots of marriage ministry. And we started going to their marriage groups. And they talked about how as you grow closer to God, you grow closer to each other. And so Mm -hmm. um, Joe had a lot of aha moments actually riding around on his lawnmower. That became his personal, you know, because he couldn't hear me and I couldn't talk to him because I was talking continuously (laughs) or reading what I'd written. Um, But he started to want to redefine himself and um, he went to some men's breakfasts 
And he said, it's different. There's no competition because we were triathletes. So it was always about getting stronger, getting better, getting faster. And he, he said, I like this better. We're just men. So mm. those were just some of the kind of piece by piece, um, you know, and being a part of a church community and being part of a support community. And the two were working together for us. At what point in time did you start to realize that this this uh, redemptive and restorative work that God was doing in your lives and in your marriage um, was something that was going to go beyond just the two of you? In other words, at what point did God start to plant a seed in you that maybe there could be a book, maybe your story is meant to be told to others when did that transition start taking place? And what was that like for both of you? Because obviously you're both traveling this journey together. And I've noted, I've, I've known plenty of situations where it's like one may have more of a passion for that than the other. And it feels like the callings are mismatched or something, but you've got to navigate that too. So what did that look like in your story? Well, um, one of the the things um, before even going into that, one of one of the realizations that I had was that because Joe was broken, he might slip again or he might fall again. He might make mistakes again. But we realized that the truth was the most important thing. Just if he could tell me the truth about what had happened, I might get upset. I might get angry, but it would put a coin into my trust bucket. I could learn trust that way. As far as us growing closer to God and all of that, it was amazing that we were doing it in tandem. But the, the funny thing that happened that really shocked me was Joe was watching football one night and he shut it off and he looked at me and he said, I don't think God's healing me so that I can watch football. I think he wants me to help other men. I want to try to be a group leader. And of course, I'm thrilled. Yes. Go, go do that. Um, and But I, I think we were both hearing God leading us at the same time. And so one of us would get a, a revelation like that. And the other one would say, oh, maybe that's what I should do too. So we were trusting mm. God's leading in, in our journey. And so that's when Joe started uh, being a leader at that 180 group. And I started looking into um, how to become a leader at the women's group, which I couldn't because we weren't members. We lived too far away. So everyone said, start your own group. Start one at your church. Um, uh, the, the thing that happened next with regard to that, and again, that was the Lord leading us. Joe and I have seven children. We've, we've blended our families. We have seven children. This was about two years into our life lesson we've come to call it and we felt like god wanted us to leave ministries but the head of women's ministries at my church said hillary you cannot do this unless your children know what you guys have been through and we had been keeping secrets more secrets joe had been keeping secrets now i was keeping joe's secrets and it the thought of the kids finding out was very painful. I was afraid it would tear our um, family apart. Mm -hmm. And when we got off the phone with this woman, I curled in, up in Joe's lap and, you know, sobbing. 
And then I heard, trust me, baby girl. And I could just feel peace washing over me. And Joe got a very similar feeling at the same time. He said, it's time. We have to do this. So that was another way God, mm. um, oh my goodness. It, it was awful. It was hard. At one point, I got physically ill at, right after the telling because it was so hard. Our kids lived in six different states at the time. So we, we, we got to a few. We did some on Zoom. And we told them all. And they all still loved us. And it just felt like mm-hmm. God God told us to do it. We listened. And he was right. No more secrets. It was like weight had been lifted from me because now I could be honest with my girls. Yeah. You know, and what I love about that is is I think uh, it's good for us to be reminded that um, God always sees beyond just the moments of our pain. And he's actually thinking in terms of redemption and restoration beyond even just as as an individual. It's not less than that. I mean, God still absolutely wants to to heal and restore us personally, right? But it's also so much more than that. Like he wants to restore families. He wants to restore communities. He wants to restore nations, you know, all of that. And so um, one question I have, too, that I would love for you to to tackle is, okay, we've given a very, very um, uh, brief snapshot of a lot of years in terms of sharing your story. And obviously, there's lots of highs and lows uh, throughout all of that. But I think one of the main questions that I think a lot of our, our listeners and our viewers would have is, what does it look like for you today in your marriage? for you and your husband to keep pursuing intimacy and oneness and, and, and how do you guard yourselves against drift against, you know, the various temptations that can come along just as a natural course of living. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For Joe and I, it has been um, eight years since I picked up his phone and um, one year later before he finally got in group and we finally started to get some support. So um, things right now are amazing. And I think it was amazing for Joe before it was amazing for me because Joe learned to trust me, even with the parts of himself that weren't pretty. And he, Hmm. he would say things like, this is the kind of relationship I wanted with you all along. And what it was is he was making himself vulnerable to me. And I wasn't getting it because, great, I'm learning all these things that I don't like about you, you know. But I knew that honesty was the most important thing. So the more he could be honest, the less temptation seemed to be an issue for him. The more he shared secrets, the more, you know, he might have to come home and say, I was really struggling today at work. The weather is nice and the women were wearing less clothing and it was a challenge for me. And I would say, thank you for sharing, honey. I really appreciate you telling me the truth. And then sometimes I'd have to go drive around in my car and yell. <laughs> And, you know, get my emotions out of the pain that that still caused me. Right now, 
we're, we're not in that place at all. Um, he, he often, he'll rate his temptations. Um, once in a while, we'll check, check in with each other and he might say, yep, one, I'm not having a problem with that. I find that I'm eating more than I should be eating, but I'm not having a problem with temptation with women. So we discuss it periodically. If I go out of town, he has a plan. He calls an accountability partner and just says, Hillary's going to be away this weekend. I'm going to be checking in with you. Um, and once in a while I'll say, is there anything you need to tell me? Remember, I need to know the truth, no secrets, because that's the, my biggest fear came from the things I didn't know. Once I knew everything, I was afraid he might slip or fall again. And how would I know? He has made a commitment mm -hmm. to tell me. So I am accepting of the fact that temptation doesn't go away. I kept waiting for it to go away. Temptation doesn't go away. But Joe's response to temptation is, is the key. And if he doesn't have to be perfect. So if he does slip, mm -hmm. he will tell me, I will be so grateful to not find it out on my own. For myself, every once in a while, I might find, um, you know, if I'm in, like we go to Florida and everybody's wearing a bikini. I might start after a while to get a little uncomfortable with that. So I have learned to eye bounce, which is something my husband does. He eye bounces. And so if, um, cause I'm, I'm still tempted to, um, go back to that place of such pain and negativity every once in a while. So that is something that I have found in certain situations. I have to remind myself, I'm not even looking at things that I think will tempt him because <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. want to go there either. So yeah. I think honesty is the biggest piece. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that. As we uh, wrap up here, we've got a couple minutes left. And I would love for you to just be able to um, share any kind of word of encouragement or hope for that couple that's out there that maybe they're they're more in the valley right now than on the mountaintop. And they're just wondering, you know, I don't, maybe both of them are feeling a sense of like, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know if we can make the next step. Um, what word of encouragement would you give to them? And also then where can people go to uh, get the book and learn more about you? Okay. Um, you know, my book is called, We Survived Infidelity an unexpected life lesson. And God was obviously the very unexpected piece, but there were so many life lessons. One of the big things I learned is that it's not your fault. If you've been betrayed, it is not your fault. And I thought it was my fault. I blamed it all on myself. And that did not help our healing. So realizing that you have to heal in community. It's, it's the only way, when you surround yourself with people who are getting well and people who are in worse shape than you, you get to reach back, you get to reach up, just that continuum is so helpful. Um, when I accepted Joe's brokenness, things began to get better. Uh, the honesty over perfection was a big piece of it. And I think for couples who are struggling with this, love doesn't always make sense. Mm -hmm. We need to find ways to love, you know, women or, or the spouse who's been betrayed needs to find ways to love their broken spouse and help God heal them. And I think when I became more of Joe's cheerleader, 
Then we both started to heal. When I thought it was all about me, he just felt worse and worse and worse, like we were both in a pit. But when we were lifting each other up, when we were helping each other heal, and I think for men, sometimes they just want the women to heal quickly. Um, that doesn't happen. So patience mm -hmm. with her journey, she's been wounded. She's suffering relational trauma and it can take years to get well. It, it'll get better and better and better, but it can take a long time. And then I think the biggest thing is trust in God's plan. God has a plan for mm -hmm. each of us. And if both couples are working to heal the marriage, there's a really good possibility that that's part of God's plan and that he will give you what you need mm -hmm. to do it. It just won't be in your timing or the way you might necessarily want it, but God has a plan. So, so where can people go to get the book? So the book is on Amazon. It's also right here on my desk. Um, that's Joe and I on the cover. Um, but it's at, on Amazon as a paperback, as a Kindle, as an audiobook. So all three are available. I also have a website at uh, hillarybarry.com. And my name is a little different spelling with one L, H-I-L-A-R-I-E, Barry, B-A-R-R-Y.com. And then I also have a Facebook group called Infidelity Care for Women. And it is a private Facebook group. It is, it has become a Christian group, which wasn't what I was aiming for at first. But it's really there's there are some groups that are open to to I mean mine's open to anyone. But I find that there's a um, there's a lot of praying that goes on on our our site. Right. You know, people speaking about how God has spoken into their lives. So also with my book, I think maybe more men than women have read my book um, because I speak at men's groups at the 180 group and um, men are able to actually use my book to understand their wife's journey better and to have patience with that. And and then to maybe see some of their own journey as well. So there's a, a mm -hmm. validation around that. Well, Hillary, this has been a great conversation. We appreciate it and we appreciate you for uh, being willing um, to to share your story and and step into that space that God has called you into, so we pray that you continue to experience the abundance of His abundance of His blessings as you do that. But thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Jonathan, and blessings to everyone who's listening. Thank you. Yeah. Well, listeners, we are going to put uh, information about Hillary's book and her website on the in the show notes. So please be sure to check that out. We're so glad that you've been with us. If you are uh, looking to take that next step of healing in your life and in your relationships, please reach out to us. We'd love to be able to help you take that next step, whether it be through some of our resources or others. We don't really care. It's about you getting well. So we're glad that you've been with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.